Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. It was about uh, 20 years ago, I was helping fix something at my oldest sister's home in uh, downtown Toronto where she lives. And she said, Keith, before you leave, uh, uh, can we sit down for a bit? I've got something I want to tell you. And of course, you knew something was up. And... uh, sat down with her and she said, you know, I've been off work now for, for several months. She had a very good job and uh, I'm under psychiatric care because I have clinical depression. And uh, I've been told, you know, reach out to people who love you and, and uh, it's good for you, it's good for them to support you. And, you know, th- this, is, this is my oldest sister. You know, there's five kids in the family. She's the smartest one of the bunch. She's the one, you know, um, uh, very successful in the corporate world. Reader, writer, way over the top for most of us in the family. And, you know, we'd visit her in her place in Spain and, uh, you know, great times in Toronto. Just didn't know that she was going through this for years. I've come to understand that it's a lot more common than what we think. I've learned so much from the courage of my sister and so many in my church family who have personally struggled with mental illness. It's so common. And here's some stats that just help us understand how common it is. In any given year, one in five people in Canada will personally experience a mental health problem or illness. All right, here's another one. By age 40, about 50% of the population will have or have had a mental illness. Now, we need to sort of make sure that we know, how many know every human being? Remember the Choosing Your Mood series? We all get moody, we all get cranky. (laughs) No one said amen. We all have stuff happen, and we can feel down for a few days. You know, some days just stuff happens. There's a loss or circumstances happen, and you feel, oh, down, doobie, doo-doo, down. You know, you're just just feeling down. This is not what we're talking about. When someone has dark days, and they go on and on and on, there's clinical depression, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, dementia, other things that are less common, but mental states that really restrict a person's potential, cripple what they could be out there doing in life, and and just even mess up their relationships with other people. You know, this next stat breaks my heart. Look at this. The total number of 12 to 19-year-olds in Canada at risk for developing depression is a staggering 3.2 million. One of the leading causes of death in 15 to 24-year-olds is suicide. How many know mental health is not an adults-only issue? And then here's the last stat. Mental illness indirectly affects 
all Canadians at some time through a family member, friend, or colleague. Now, thank God in recent years for, you know, the awareness. We have mental health days in Canada. We create this awareness and this support. And thank God for the advancement in medical knowledge to be able to understand the human brain. You know, there was a time where, listen, if you had a heart problem or, uh, you know, a kidney problem, people would pray for you and doctors would give you chemicals and and there'd be that support that was there so that you could uh, be restored, you could be healed. Mentally, if you were ill or there was any sickness of the mind, uh, you know, people were not as much open to being that kind of supportive. Uh, It's so thankful for the advancements that are there because watch this now, the brain is an organ of the body, just like the heart and the liver or the kidney is an organ of the body. Sometimes all it takes for that organ to function better, let's take the heart as an example, is to be on some heart medication that makes up for the imbalance or the lack that is there, and you take that chemical and, 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 and that part of the body works fine. The brain is an organ. Sometimes all there needs to be is a correction of the chemical imbalance for the brain to function healthily. And so we we need to be very, very thankful that there is that kind of help available. But there's also the reality that it's not all genetic. Some of it can be environmental. It's not all biological. Uh, Some of it can be societal. Matter of fact, I have a question for you online. Those that are, are joining us, wherever you're joining us from, a lot from Toronto because of the weather today. Isn't it great that we have this vehicle of uh, being together? And I'm praying the Holy Spirit will help you through what we're seeing in the Bible today, every bit as much as those in this room here in Toronto. But I have a question for you. How many chose the body that you were born with? Raise your hand. Even online, there are no hands going up. <laughs> but watch this. It doesn't stop you from you taking the body that you have and making it healthier, right? You can take whatever body you were dealt, you can just make it healthier. How many chose the brain that you were born with? Nobody? Nobody online? But it doesn't stop us from taking the brain that we were born with and making it healthier. How about we do that today? Because listen to how Jesus thinks about, you know, in this series, we've talked about relational health. Didn't Pastor Jonathan do a great job with the teaching last week? And all these components just was such great pastoring of pulling them together and saying, here's what spiritual health looks like. Here's the components. Here's ways to be spiritually healthy. And wasn't that a great cathedral we had last Sunday night? And people healed by the power of Jesus, physical healing. What about saying, Jesus, today, by the time this teaching is over, give me some tools and some ways to make me mentally healthier. Right on? Because watch watch, watch what Jesus did when people came to him in gospel times. Early in the three-year public ministry, it says that evening, a lot of demon-afflicted people were brought to him, spiritual healing. He relieved the inwardly tormented. Isn't that an apt description of mental illness? You just get voices in your head and torturing and putting you down. And just, just, it's just there. 
It's just there. He relieved the inwardly tormented. I love that Jesus does that. He cured the bodily ill. How many would say, may Jesus do that in this room and online today? Right on? May he do that in his presence. So, I'm going to give you seven ways to improve your mental health, all right? Because I'm talking to people who, everything from A to Z when it comes to, you know, our different brains and our different mental conditions that we come with, our different mental struggles. But these seven apply to every one of us. Pick some that you can pray about and work on in your uh, Christian future. All right, here's the first one. Rest in a love that is deeper. All right, very important. There's a love that's deeper than however low you go mentally. Rest in a love that is deeper than any mental low. Now, if all we are is body and mind, then when we've used up our physical and mental resources, we've exhausted all help, right? How many are thankful that as a follower of Jesus, we're made in the image of God, we are made spiritual beings? So we've, we, we not only have mental and physical resources to help us with our mental health, we have spiritual resources. But that's a double-edged sword because for a lot of Christians, if they struggle with mental health issues, they start to beat themselves up. And uh, they say, you know, it goes something like this. They're already feeling low because of the mental health issues. And then they get into a place where, hey, I'm a Christian I should be doing better than this with God's help. And then, I never forget the first time I heard it, because it sort of compounds, doesn't it? I never forget the first time I was talking to a young woman who was dealing with this, and she just was almost helping me understand how it went years ago. And she said, you know, she says, I feel guilty because I'm a Christian and I have mental health issues. And then she said, and then I start feeling guilty because I feel guilty. I said, what? You feel guilty because you're feeling good because you feel guilty. But think about it. It's true. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I down, dooby doo doo down? You know? And it sure doesn't help, does it, if you go to one of those uh, Christians who say, come on, snap out of it. Just praise the Lord. You know? Just get up and praise the Lord. You know? Come on, we're supposed to be in, right up, right up, right down, right happy all the time. What are you doing? You know, they're the same ones that when you have a physical illness, they'll come up to you and say, there must be sin in your life. <laughs> you know, I, 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 let's go with what Jesus says, okay? People came to him with physical, spiritual, and mental illness. And, and I, I love what scripture says. Jesus says to them, he says, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you, say it with me, I will give you rest. You can rest in a love. Here's where we're going to, and when we end up at the end of the teaching in our prayer time, here's where we're going to be. We're going to just have an experience. We say, Jesus, help us to rest in a love that's deeper than any mental low. How many understand Jesus is not upset with you when you have mental illness? Jesus died on the cross for us, not because we had it together mentally or spiritually. He died on the cross for us because we didn't have it together. It's why he died. He knows we're broken and he wants to make us whole. You know, you, you can have times where you feel mentally that you are in a deep pit and you can't go any lower, but I got news for you. However low you go, there's something deeper because you're not just physical and mental. You are spiritual. 
You are a spiritual being. You're made in the image of God. I love the way that a, a concentration camp out of the Holocaust of World War II, Corey Ten Boom, how she describes it. She says, there is no pit so deep, but that his love is not deeper still. <laughs> Sometimes when we get talking in the lobby, and it's Pastor Jonathan and myself, it's our only time to get around to, some of you, we only see it, you know, this one time, so we get around to as many as possible. And, and, and um, the prayer team is up here praying for people that have different needs, but every once in a while, there's someone that you love, and they, they say, you know, I'm going through this, and I'm just, just pray with me, Pastor Keith, I'm struggling mentally with, with this. And, uh, and I'll just leave them with one verse from Deuteronomy. I love it. Listen to this. It says, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And listen, never forget this. However low you go, how many are thankful his everlasting arms are still deeper? <laughs> He's got you. He's there to catch you. Because, because you've got that spiritual dimension, not just the physical and the mental. So we're going to come back to that. We're going to pray about that, about resting in God's love. All right? Second, here's something every one of us can do to improve mental health. Unclog the channels God's grace flows through to heal you. Unclog those channels. God's grace wants to flow through you at all times. But we can clog up those channels. How? By... Carrying bitterness or being offended and resenting, if we carry that, do you know what we do? We clog up the spiritual channels. How many have ever heard me teach about spiritual cholesterol? <laughs> you can clog up the channels that God wants his grace to flow through. And he can want to, Jesus was so strong on this. He said, if you forgive, remember in the Lord's Prayer, forgive others their debts even as yours are forgiven. You forgive others their debts. And when we don't, Jesus said, when you don't forgive others, the heavenly father cannot forgive you. Why? Because he goes to forgive you and you've clogged up the very channels that are designed for his grace and forgiveness to flow into you. It's not that he doesn't want to forgive you. We clog up the channels. We carry these things. Some of us, listen, no meds can do this for you. No meds can take the place of you having a forgiving heart. It doesn't mean you know the teaching on forgiveness. It doesn't mean you don't hold the person accountable. It means you stop poisoning yourself, you know? Not forgiving someone is like taking poison, hoping the other person will die. It poisons you. I think the most profound truth about this was said by that woman in the concentration camp who survived and was a wonderful Christian writer. She was traveling through Germany post-World War II and, and helping forgiveness happen. But in one of the uh, gatherings in a church, actually, a Nazi guard who'd been there when her sister died and was in the audience, and he didn't recognize her. He went up to her at the end, and he asked for forgiveness, and she didn't want to forgive. You know, her heart was just, there's just so much there. But she says, you know, woodenly, I just put up my hand, knowing that the will can function when the heart is not in it. I just said, I will do this, and she did. And she, listen, listen to what she said. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner is you. It just, it just unclogs something. I've been there with people when they've forgiven people. 
And man, have they forgiven a lot. But they're not going to carry it anymore. That's what they're saying. And the freedom that has come mentally. Is unforgiveness the cause of mental health? No, but it contributes to a worse mental condition than if you don't forgive. Because it, it, it clogs up those channels that, that God wants his forgiveness to flow into you. Third, do physical adjustments that will improve your mental health. How many have found that when you get tired and hungry, you get cranky? No one? It could happen. <laughs> you know, when you get tired because uh, you're sleep deprived or you're just, you're, your blood sugar's down because you're not eating uh, properly. Um, you know, maybe not exercising, getting out and about, as the Irish say. If that's not happening, you know, and we hear the negative side of it. What about the positive side of it? What about if we get out and about and we eat healthily and we get good sleep? How many understand you, you do that? That is going to improve your mental health. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about Elijah. Do you remember when Eli Elijah... I think the psychiatrists in our church family would say he was manic depressive because he had these super emotional highs and then he'd be so down. You know, he'd be just up on the mountaintop in the name of the Lord and the Baal prophets and then he'd be in this cave depressed for weeks and weeks and weeks and just, just such highs and such lows. And it's interesting that when God sends an angel to minister to Elijah, he gets to a point, do you know that he was suicidal? He says, oh Lord, just take my life. Remember I told you the story years ago about this husband and wife, they were not getting along at all over the years. They'd argue about everything. They'd been stuck together for 50 years, still arguing. And then one day they had another big argument. He said, oh Lord, take me home. And then I'll go live with my sister. Anyway. I'm oh, sorry. Take one of us home. And I'll go live with my sister. Did you get that online? <laughs> but Elijah, he just so low. Guess, guess what the prescription is sent from heaven by an angel. Nap and snack. Nap and snack. Sleep and diet. Brings food and there's rest. There's a re replenishment time for Elijah. You know, if you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well, it affects more than your physical health. It'll affect your mental health. And all you need to do is just make some adjustments with your sleep and your, your diet and exercise, and you'll do better mentally. All right, fourth, don't fight down thoughts. Don't fight them. Instead, fixate on truth. It's so easy when we start to feel low and we beat ourselves up and if I'm a Christian, why am I doing this? And this goes on and on. Maybe I did something. And we just get down and we push ourselves. We pressure ourselves so down and some other people might come and step on us and, and we're, we're, we're way down there. And here's the way it usually goes. Okay, I got to stop thinking about myself. I got to stop hearing those voices that, that are putting me down and telling me wrong and those guilt trips. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. And guess what you're thinking? thinking about, the very thing that you're trying to stop thinking about. So the answer is not to repress the thoughts, the answer is to replace those thoughts, fixate on truth, to fixate on truth. You know, I, I know, listen, if you're helping somebody, 
who struggles with mental health, you're not helping them if you choose to always identify them as that mentally, you know, sick person. If that's all you, you know, listen, if you're trying to help someone, don't send, don't email them every article about mental illness you come across, you know. Let that be the only contact that you have with them. You just keep pushing them down and pushing them down. You know, what do you do then? You love them. Sometimes you're just present with them. You just, you just send them a photo or you tell them some news of something that just helps them bring perspective to what they're going through. You tell them about something that they have done that meant something to you. You just, you just be there for them. You laugh with them. I... I I think of these silly things and I tell my oldest sister, I don't think there's anybody that I have, you know, how many have ever laughed till your belly hurts? Well, I can do that with that oldest sister of mine. It's amazing how with this, just silly and crazy things sometimes, but how many know laughter is a good medicine? It can just bring perspective. Just because you can feeling here and this, it just gets something going. The Bible's so true when it says laughter is a good medicine. I visited people in the hospital I don't preach to them. I don't say, well, last week I spoke on this and on your mental health. Let me give you these seven ways you can improve your... Please go away. Please, God. They're praying. All right. Please let the pastor go away. But I'm there. And I love them. I've been in psych wards with people and just hold their hand and look at them. Remind them of something good that they've done. And I believe in them and we pray for them. We love them. Sometimes they get to a place where you just say, let's think about something that's true. You know, like, remember, remember how the Apostle Paul said, it's not a matter of not thinking about these things. It's about fixating your thoughts on the true things, the honorable things, the good things. How does he say it in Philippians? Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Fixate your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many understand, how many times have you heard me say this over the years, that however lousy things are going, we still have lots to be thankful for, amen? There's times where we could just, just right the ship that way and just get us going in a, in a better direction than we have been going. Now, I need to say something about how when we're physical, you know, we talk about the physical and the mental, but sometimes the spiritual powers of darkness get in there. Now, if this is new to you, let me give you a verse. The Apostle Paul wrote the Christians in Ephesus, and he said this to them. He said, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. It's not just the physical realm, but against evil, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You can't see them. How many know that there's times when you're down and then there's the, it's like these voices that can come and, and it's almost like they're trying to make a bad situation even worse. There, someone's already down and they're trying to kick a person when they're down. Jesus said that demonic powers in this invisible realm have an agenda. He said they come to kill, steal, and destroy. Why does he use those three words? Because uh, how many have seen someone with such potential, but then mental illness gets in there, it just kills that potential. Steal. What do they steal? Their, their peace, 
their joy that God wants them to have, and they try and steal it. And, and what do they destroy? Faith in that relationship with God, that closeness with God. And how do they do that? Well, Scripture is clear. Jesus is the one. He said, he, he's, th those demonic powers are liars. The devil is the father of lies. And then he also says, that, watch this, the devil is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. In other words, when you are down and you get accused, see, if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't think like that. You wouldn't be down like that. How many knows that's validating that you're a Christian? Because <laughs> he accuses the Christian. He accuses. And you know what else he does? He deceives. He deceives. I don't know if I get a bigger hate on than in those moments when I see a, a person, could be a young adult, could be a senior, that has so much potential to get out there and blossom in life and, and do things, not just for themselves, but for other people on the planet. And that those demonic forces get in there and lie to them about their identity, about their value, disrespects them and demeans them and discounts them. I don't know if I get a bigger hate on them when I see that someone down mentally and then seeing that oppressive vulture swooping down when somebody's already down and trying to make them feel like they are nothing and destroy even their lifeline to God. Pastor Jonathan and I had some of our church family ask us, because you know, the news came out that there's this pastor who led a mental health association in the United States that just a few weeks ago, he committed suicide. How do you understand that? Unless there's a power that's there that's trying to destroy people that are trying to help others. Do you see that? So we have to reckon that in. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we destroy speculations and every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. We know God is true and he's right. Whether we feel like it or think of it, think of it we know that is true. And we, so therefore we take every thought captive. We take every thought as a prisoner and march it off to Jesus Christ and say, you bow down before Jesus Christ because he alone tells the truth. I remember uh, Pastor Stuart Mulligan. Do you remember the Choosing Your Mood series that we did? And, and one of them, one of the teachings that I contributed to that series with Pastor Jonathan was, um, oh yeah, you're not the boss of me. Remember that? When your feelings try and say, you say you're not, well, you, this works with our thoughts too in our mental conditions. Anyway, I was uh, uh, leaving after talking to people online, was heading out there. Pastor Stuart Mulligan, uh, if you're new here, he was the lead pastor, the pre predecessor to both myself and Pastor Jonathan in this church. He was in the service and he was leaving. And I said, oh, hey, we got to get together for lunch. He turned to me, he said, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> That's exactly what we need to be able to say to our thoughts. You're not the boss of me. How many know when we say we sang it, hallelujah, our God reigns. How many know the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who is worthy to be the boss of us? And so we, 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 we say, Lord, I, I march these thoughts off. I can trust someone who will die for me when they don't have to. And you did that for me. I can trust you with my thoughts. You're the safe place that I can go. All right, number five. Let people in your community help carry you. 
Isn't this a wonderful picture of, a, of one of our community groups? They're the small groups in our church family. By the way, let's go to a slide. There's a way that you can try out a group in January. Just go. You know, if it's sort of like, uh, you know, intimidating or it's just awkward maybe to... There, there's a night where there'll be other people there that are equally awkward <laughs> and new to a group. You can just attend January 15. Go to the Next Steps Lounge. Let them know you'd like to be part of one of those groups. You just try it for one night. And, and then see where it goes from there. But listen, I will say this to every one of us. Don't try and do this Christian life as a lone ranger. The Bible says, bear whose burdens? Bear one another's burdens. How are you going to bear somebody's burdens or let them bear your burden if you don't even know who they are? If you don't trust them, if you haven't developed that relationship. Isn't this a beautiful picture of a community group? Look at this. Listen, look at this scripture. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Isn't that wonderful? You see, someone might have mental health issues and you're saying, I don't have any problems there. Yeah, but you've got problems in other areas. And they can pray for you and help you there and you can help them with their area. Be patient with how many? Everyone. On our own, we spiral downwards. But when we are in a community with others that, we can, that are there for us, they're on our side. It just, uh, it just brings healing to us. All right, number, number six. Disrupt your down thoughts by helping someone else. You say, what do you mean by that? If I have mental condition, how am I going to be helping? I, I remember reading, I don't think he was a Christian, but a very insightful psychiatrist years ago that said sometimes he'll reach a point in counseling his patients where he will, tell, he will make a prescription for them, volunteer at a charity. Volunteer at a charity. Why? Well, the same thing as Joseph. Remember, Joseph was in prison, not because he did wrong, but because he refused to do wrong. So he's in this place. He's in prison because of an injustice against him. And look what happens. Look what happens with Joseph. When Joseph came to the... He's in the prison now. He goes to fellow prisoners the next morning. He saw that they were dejected. They were dejected. He's a fellow prisoner too. He's experienced injustice too. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Sometimes the best way that you can help with your own mental health is to help someone else with some area of need they have. You get involved in community connections or you get involved in ushering or greeting. You get involved in volunteering in a way that helps someone else out and guess what happens to you? You improve your own mental health. And then number seven, be encouraged because full freedom is what your future looks like. Do you remember this verse from the YOLO series from the book of Revelation? Watch, here's what we're watching for. Watch for how much of it is physical changes that are going to take place when we go to be with the Lord, all right? And how much of it is mental slash emotional. He will wipe every tear. That's not, you know, tears are physical, but they come from a deeper mental place than that. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There's the physical part. But what are these words? Or sorrow or crying, or some of the worst pain we experience is mental torture, right? Say this aloud together with me. Matter of fact, declare it aloud together with me. 
All these things are gone forever. Someone should say hallelujah. Isn't that great? All of them. I see some people and what they struggle with and they're doing their best and they're trusting Jesus. And I don't know all the reasons why, but they forgive and they try and take care of them physically. And that. But it's like, just like someone can have something physically you don't understand why they go through life with. Someone can have something mental you don't know why they go through life with. But I admire their courage but I pray that they will have great hope for the future because the Bible says there is coming a day when we are in the presence of the Lord and all those mental conditions will be gone forever. Oh, hallelujah. But listen, do you know what the worst time for people that have mental illness is? Look at the decorations behind me for a hint. <laughs> Christmas time. We know that, uh, you know, any, all of us know that Christmas, we have the highest highs and the lowest lows. If we've experienced a loss, we can really feel it more at Christmas time and other times of year. It just sort of comes into clear focus. Reunions, the joy, but, but watch this now, because here's how it goes. Christmas season intensifies and magnifies whatever our mental state already is. So you can imagine what it will be like. So I'm going to tell you a story in a few moments, and then we're going to pray. But let me just invite you to look back on where we've been. How are you going to improve your mental health? What a great time as we go into Christmas just to say, how can I improve my mental health? We're going to come back to the first one. We're going to end here. The first one says, you can rest in a love that is deeper than any mental love. We'll come back to that one. But, but when we have our prayer time, how many, do you know what? Online, in this room in Toronto, you could just say, Lord, I, I forgive. <laughs> and experience mental freedom. Do physical adjustments that will improve mental health. Get a jump start on your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Four, don't fight those down. Listen, next time they come and they're pushing you down, you're not the boss of me, right? Five, let people in your community help carry you. And you carry them. And then six, disrupt your down thoughts by helping someone else. And number seven, be encouraged because full freedom is what your future does look like. What are you going to pray about? What are you going to work on? Speaking of Christmas, last Christmas, one of my daughter-in-laws had, you ever exchanged names? She had my name. This is what she got me. I think the first line is very, very important. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in a few moments. How, how many can just say that first line aloud together with me? I will say of the Lord. Say it again. I will say of the Lord. Notice, I will, not I feel, or I think I will. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. You say, why did your daughter-in-law choose to give you that verse for Christmas? Because it goes back to a story about a decade ago when Esther and I, my wife and I, got some bad news and more bad news and more bad news and more bad news. And then on top of it all, we got some very distressing news about her physical health. The initial um, diagnosis came back that she, I mean, it, it, was, it was looking very serious, a life death kind of a situation. And we found out later as tests came back, thank God it, 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 it wasn't what they initially thought it was. But we didn't know that. How many of us, one of the worst times is waiting for the results to come in, right? 
Because your thoughts have a great, they have a party, right? You, you, you hope for the best, but you prepare for the, yeah. And here's where the thoughts were going. What's going to happen to the kids and what's about this and the plans and the church and I don't want it to interfere with weekend ministry and just all these things. And we were, we were in a place, we prayed, we said prayers, but we, it was just pushing us down, pushing us down. I remember one night as we lay in bed and we had prayed, but neither of us were sleeping. And I remembered the truth about not thought repression, but thought replacement. And uh, I knew one of Esther's favorite psalms was Psalm 91. And you know that one that says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, rest. We were not having any mental or even physical rest. We'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... See, whatever my thoughts are saying, whatever my feelings are saying, I will say of the Lord, I know this to be true, right? You can't take this away from me. I know this to be true about the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It was right at that time that in this uh, church family community, we were singing a song that used Psalm 91. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will not be moved. I will say of the Lord, you are my shield, my strength, my portion, my deliverer, my shelter, my strong tower, my very present help in time of need. We sang that song at that time. Guess who did a beautiful duet that night? In the middle of the night, there's Esther and Keith Smith, you know, she has a beautiful voice. You know me, I sing baritone. I make the tone in you barrett. So we sang together. And as we kept singing it, I said, honey, watch this. He's our shield. That means he, he'll protect us. He'll never give us more than we can handle. But watch this. He's not only our shield. We, we can't hold up the faith, but, but he's our strength. <laughs> he's not only our protection. He's the one that gives us the strength to hold up our protection. And he's our portion. I'd known the Hebrew where that word portion, it was your, your allotment of land. You got your portion. When someone died, your inheritance. You got your allotment. You got your portion. All right? How many know that you and I have a portion that no sickness or illness, mentally, physically, there's nothing that can take it away. We sang about it already. How many are thankful that nothing will separate you and me from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus? Isn't that right? So that's our, that's our portion. And, and, and nothing that we were going to go through was going to take away that gift of eternal life that we had because of the forgiveness of Jesus on the cross. And so that was our portion. And then deliverer. We, I said, Esther, we've told many people many times, God will deliver you out of it or he will deliver you through it. He's our shelter. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. How do you rest, by the way? How do you rest? Do you try and fix everything? <laughs> try and think of the worst and the best that could happen? No, rest, you just... You just rest, you trust someone else. You have to sort of let the weight down. You have to just sort of rest. 
And then it says, and he's our strong tower. Have you ever noticed? And, and we began to praise the Lord that night for being all these things for us. And you know what? He became our strong tower. You know what you happens when you go up in a tower? When you're down low, you can't see the forest for the trees. But when you get up in a strong tower, what do you see? You see the bigger picture. You see the past and the present and the future. You just say, oh God, you've got this. We came to a place where we could say, God, you got this. And that night we were able to rest physically because we were able to rest mentally. We rested in the shelter of one who was our shield and our strength and our deliverer and our strong tower. Amen? See, that's an exercise that every one of us can do. Whatever mental condition we, because however low we go, we've got another layer to go down into. Underneath are the everlasting arms of our God. Listen, whether you're online or you're in this room, I want to pray together with you now. Let's have a mental health exercise with Jesus Christ by, because he's here. He's with you online, wherever you are by the presence of his Holy Spirit. And how many know he still wants to heal? <laughs> the inwardly tormented, he's still able to bring relief. Amen? So let's pray. Let's pray together and then we're going to sing together. So Lord, we're, we've decided that whatever the voices are saying, whatever uh, down thoughts are saying, we know who you are and we know you tell the truth. <laughs> I will say of the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Lord, thank you that, that you're a safe place to come to with our mental health issues. You don't think less of it. You already know about it. You're the one that made us physically, spiritually, and mentally. It may seem complex to us, but it's, it's clear and simple to you, Lord. So I pray that you'd help every one of us have better mental health as we leave this place. Help us, Lord, not to have any blockages because we're bitter against someone. But Lord, we forgive. <laughs> Let your grace flow in. We exercise wisdom, Lord, with our physical health because that's going to help us out mentally. And we don't fixate on those Lies and accusations and deceptions. We fixate on what you say. Whatever voices are there, you're the only one that tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. And Lord, thank you for this community that we can be there for the others who are going through stuff and they can be there for us. But Jesus, we're going to take these next few moments before we head home just to rest in you. We're online. We're joining this gathering. We're just going to take the next few moments to sing and, and say, I'm going to rest in the Father's hands. I bring all my doubts and fears, my mental stuff, and I just, I just, it's safe to just rest it on you. You're not going to break under the weight of it, Lord. Instead, you're going to give me strength. You're going to deliver. You're going to be my, my tower. You're going to be my peace. Do that, Lord, in these next few moments. Do what only you can, Jesus. Do what you did when people came to you in gospel times, Lord. Relieve people of inward torment, Lord, we pray. And help us all leave here on a trajectory to be more mentally healthy, we pray in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.